0: Section 31 of Monsieur Lecoq, Part 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Don Evans. Monsieur Lecoq by Emile Gambarillo, Part 1, Section 31 when a heavy stone is thrown into a lake, a considerable commotion ensues. The water spouts and seethes and bubbles, and frequently a tall jet leaps into the air. But all this agitation only lasts for a moment. The bubbling subsides as the circles of the passing whirlpool grow larger and larger. The surface regains at last its customary smoothness. And soon no trace remains of the passage of the stone, now buried in the depths below. So it is with the events of our daily life, however momentous they may appear at the hour of their occurrence. It seems as if their impressions would last for years, but no, they speedily sink into the depths of the past, and time obliterates their passage, just as the water of the lake closes over and hides the stone for an instant the cause of such commotion thus it was that at the end of a fortnight the frightful crime committed in the widow chopin's drinking den the triple murder which had made all paris shudder which had furnished the material for so many newspaper articles and the topic for such indignant comments was completely forgotten indeed. Had the tragedy at the Poivriere occurred in the times of Charlemagne, it could not have passed more thoroughly out of people's minds. It was remembered only in three places at the depot, at the prefecture de police, and at the Palais de Justice. M. Segmuller's repeated efforts had proved as unsuccessful as Lecoq's. Skillful questioning, ingenious insinuations, forcible threats and seductive promises had proved powerless to overcome the dogged spirit of absolute denial which persistently animated not merely the prisoner may but also the widow chupin her son polite toinon the virtuous and madame milner THE EVIDENCE OF THESE VARIOUS WITNESSES SHOWED PLAINLY ENOUGH THAT THEY WERE ALL IN LEAGUE WITH THE MYSTERIOUS ACCOMPLICE. BUT WHAT DID THIS KNOWLEDGE AVAIL? THEIR ATTITUDE NEVER VARIED, AND EVEN IF AT TIMES THEIR LOOKS GAVE THE LIE TO THEIR DENIALS, ONE COULD ALWAYS READ IN THEIR EYES AN UNSHAKEN DETERMINATION TO CONCEAL THE TRUTH. THERE WERE MOMENTS WHEN THE MAGISTRATE, OVERPOWERED BY A SENSE OF THE INSUFFICIENCY OF THE PURELY MORAL WEAPONS AT HIS DISPOSAL, ALMOST REGRETTED THAT THE INQUISITION WAS SUPPRESSED. YES, IN PRESENCE OF THE LIES THAT WERE TOLD HIM, LIES SO IMPUDENT THAT THEY WERE ALMOST INSULTS, HE NO LONGER WONDERED AT THE JUDICIAL CRUELTIES OF THE MIDDLE AGES, OR AT THE USE OF THE MUSCLE-BREAKING RACK the flesh-burning, red-hot pincers, and other horrible instruments, which, by the physical torture they inflicted, forced the most obstinate culprit to confess. The prisoner May's manner was virtually unaltered, and, far from showing any signs of weakness, his assurance had, if anything, increased, as though he were confident of ultimate victory, and as though he had in some way learned that the prosecution had failed to make the slightest progress on one occasion when summoned before monsieur Segmuller, he ventured to remark in a tone of covert irony why do you keep me confined so long in a secret cell am i never to be set at liberty or sent to the assizes am i to suffer much longer on account of your fantastic idea that I am some great personage in disguise? "'I shall keep you until you have confessed,' was Monsieur Seymuller's answer. "'Confessed what?' "'Oh, you know very well.' The prisoner shrugged his shoulders at these last words, and then, in a tone of mingled despondency and mockery, retorted, "'In that case there is no hope of my ever—' leaving this cursed prison it was probably this conviction that induced him to make all seeming preparations for an indefinite stay he applied for and obtained a portion of the contents of the trunk found at the hotel de meriemburg and evinced great joy when the various knick-knacks and articles of clothing were handed over to him Thanks to the money found upon his person when arrested and deposited with the prison registrar, he was, moreover, able to procure many little luxuries, which are never denied to unconvicted prisoners, no matter what may be the charges against them, for they have a right to be considered as innocent until a jury has decided to the contrary." To while away the time, May next asked for a volume of Beranger's songs. and his request being granted, he spent most of the day in learning several of the ditties by heart, singing them in a loud voice and with considerable taste. This fancy having excited some comment, he pretended that he was cultivating a talent which might be useful to him when he was set at liberty. For he had no doubt of his acquittal at least so he declared and if he were anxious about the date of his trial he did not show the slightest apprehension concerning its result he was never despondent save when he spoke of his profession to all appearances he pined for the stage and in fact he almost wept when he recalled the fantastic many-coloured costumes clad in which he had once appeared before crowded audiences audiences that had been convulsed with laughter by his sallies of wit delivered between bursts of noisy music he seemed to have become altogether a better fellow more frank communicative and submissive he eagerly embraced every opportunity to babble about his past and over and over again did he recount the adventures of the roving life he had led while in the employ of Monsieur simpson the showman he had, of course, travelled a great deal, and he remembered everything he had seen, possessing, moreover, an inexhaustible fund of amusing stories, with which he entertained his custodians. His manner and his words were so natural that head-keepers and subordinate turnkeys alike were quite willing to give credit to his assertions. The governor of the depot alone remained unconvinced he had declared that this pretended buffoon must be some dangerous criminal who had escaped from cayenne and who for this reason was determined to conceal his antecedents such being this functionary's opinion he tried every means to substantiate it accordingly during an entire fortnight may was submitted to the scrutiny of innumerable members of the police force to whom were added all the more notable private detectives of the capital no one recognized him however and although his photograph was sent to all the prisons and police stations of the empire not one of the officials could recognize his features other circumstances occurred, each of which had its influence, and one and all of them speaking in the prisoner's favour. For instance, the second bureau of the Prefecture de Police found positive traces of the existence of a strolling artist named Tranlow, who was probably the man referred to in May's story. This Tranlo had been dead several years, then, again, inquiries made in Germany revealed the fact that a certain Monsieur Simpson was very well known in that country, where he had achieved great celebrity as a circus manager. In presence of this information, and the negative result of the scrutiny to which May had been subjected, the governor of the depot abandoned his views and openly confessed that he had been mistaken the prisoner may he wrote to the magistrate is really and truly what he pretends to be there can be no further doubt on the subject this message it may be added was sent at gevrol's instigation so thus it was that m segmuller and lecoq alone remained of their opinion this opinion was at least worthy of consideration, as they alone knew all the details of the investigation which had been conducted with such strict secrecy. And yet this fact was of little import. It is not merely unpleasant, but often extremely dangerous, to struggle on against all the world. And, unfortunately for truth and logic, one man's opinion, correct though it may be, is nothing in the balance of daily life against the faulty views of a thousand adversaries. The May affair had soon become notorious among the members of the police force, and whenever Lecoq appeared at the Prefecture he had to brave his colleague's sarcastic pleasantry. Nor did M. Segmuller escape scot-free, for more than one fellow-magistrate, meeting him on the stairs or in the corridor, inquired with a smile what he was doing with his Casper Hauser, his man in the iron mask, in a word, with his mysterious mountebank. When thus assailed, both M. Segmuller and Lecoq could scarcely restrain those movements of angry impatience which come naturally to a person who feels certain he is in the right and yet cannot prove it. "'Ah, me!' sometimes exclaimed the magistrate. "'Why did Descarval break his leg? "'Had it not been for that cursed mishap "'he would have been obliged to endure all these perplexities, "'and I, I should be enjoying myself like other people.' "'And I thought myself so shrewd,' murmured the young detective by his side. "'Little by little anxiety did its work. "'Magistrate and detective,' Both lost their appetites and looked haggard, and yet the idea of yielding never once occurred to them. Although of very different natures, they were both determined to persevere in the task they had set themselves-that of solving this tantalizing enigma. Lecoq, indeed, had resolved to renounce all of their claims upon his time, and to devote himself entirely to the study of the case. Henceforth, he said to M. Segmuller, I also will constitute myself a prisoner, and although the suspected murderer will be unable to see me, I shall not lose sight of him. End of section thirty one. Recording by Don Evans.